You're listening to Purpose Inspired, a podcast series by myself, Wayne Visser. This season is based on a book called The Age of Responsibility, CSR 2.0 and the New DNA of Business. Chapter 10, The Principle of Glocality. Case 9, Isaac and Me. So, are you still killing the blacks down in South Africa? This was one of the first questions I was asked at an African leadership development seminar I was attending in Nairobi, Kenya, in 1991. The seminar was organized by ISEC, an international economics and commerce students organization, for which I, in my final year of business studies, was serving as president of the Cape Town chapter. Behind that simple, arresting question lay an entangled maze of sociocultural history that included discrimination, injustice, disinformation, distrust and misunderstanding, a situation not so very different from what prevailed in Europe in the wake of World War II when ISEC was founded. In fact, devastation, turmoil, anger and despair is how Isaac later described the world in which it all began. Recognizing society's malaise, a small group of students came together in Liege in 1946 to plan a new organization which could bridge the gap across people and cultures. Two years later, Isaac was officially launched in Stockholm with a mission to expand the understanding of a nation by expanding the understanding of the individual's changing the world one person at a time. The following year, the organization held its first international congress, where it kicked off its flagship program, an international traineeship exchange program. The idea behind the exchange program was simple, match students to traineeship opportunities in foreign countries, thereby improving management skills and cultural understanding at the same time. It was an idea ripe for its time, and the program flourished, growing from 89 students in 1949 to over 2,400 annual exchanges by 1960 and 4,200 by 1970. Today the figure stands at around 10,000 exchanges, and ISEC has become the largest student-run organization in the world, with over 50,000 members on 1,600 campuses in 107 countries. What makes it so unique, however, and such an excellent example of glocality, is not just its inspiring origins or its impressive scale, but more importantly, its vision of business as a way to bring about positive social change and peace and fulfillment of humankind's potential. These are lofty ideals, no doubt about it, and hard to live up to. At the same time that I joined ISEC in 1988, The organization was emerging from a period of deep questioning of its mission and ongoing relevance. Just try to close your eyes and imagine what these countries would look like without ISEC, said Athos Staub, president of ISEC International in 1985-86. Unfortunately, it would not be different. As a result of this existential midlife crisis, after all the organization was just reaching 40, The ISEC Global Seminar Series was initiated in 1988, culminating in the first World Theme Conference held in Tokyo in August 1990. The theme for the conference was Sustainable Development, 
and it brought together 200 delegates from 50 countries, including yours truly from South Africa. The impact on young management students like myself was profound. In preparation, we had to research local case studies to share with our international colleagues. I chose waste management and found myself meeting local recycling groups and attending a metropolitan recycling meeting chaired by the mayor of Cape Town, which included representatives from the plastics, paper and bottling industries. I discovered many interesting things. For instance, South Africa had the third highest aluminium can recycling rate in the world, largely due to the armies of poor people that collected them for a small fee. I also learned that there was a glut in the city recycling system. Not enough people were buying products with recycled content, so supply constantly exceeded demand. At the conference itself, the learning curve was also steep. We had presentations from people like Jehu Faulkner, who joined with the Swiss industrialist Stefan Schmidheine that same year to form the Business Council for Sustainable Development, serving as executive director. The BCSD, in turn, was invited by Maurice Strong, chair of the upcoming 1992 UN Conference on Environment and Development, to provide a business perspective on sustainable development. It was no coincidence, therefore, that one of the key outcomes of our ISEC conference was a publication called A Youth Action Guide on Sustainable Development, presented as a significant contribution to the Rio Earth Summit the following year. Beyond the conference itself, we also had study tour visits, most notably to the Toyota headquarters in Nagoya, where we met with the senior management team. Seeing their research and development display area, where they had numerous eco-efficient and alternative fuel technologies already in the mature stages of development, made a deep and lasting impression on me. And then there was the cultural element, waking up to the sound of Ahayo Gozaimasu, or good morning, in the home of my Japanese host family, and observing that although we lived differently and spoke differently, we shared many of the same values and concerns about life and the state of the world. As I later wrote and published, this culture that I've grown to love will always be a part of me. This country, with its charming mixture of ancient and modern, I will take with me to share with others. Of course, ISEC isn't all about travelling to exotic places for conferences. Most of the impact was, and continues to be, its local projects. Among the numerous initiatives that we organised in Cape Town was one that was similar to the International Exchange Programme, but instead matched previously disadvantaged individuals in South Africa to skills development traineeships in the country. As part of another project, we arranged a talk by Professor Francis Wilson, co-author of Uprooting Poverty. I remember him saying something to the effect that if our commitment, evidenced by us all voluntarily attending a poverty lecture on a Saturday morning when we could be at the beach, if that was any indication of the calibre and social responsibility of the next generation of leaders, then South Africa and the world may be in better hands than he previously had imagined. Today, when I think of the path that my own career took as a direct result of my ISEC exposure, and of all the 800,000 other alumni, then I wonder if he may have been right. One only need glance at what some of the alumni are doing today to be convinced of the global impact that ISEC has had. For example, Rong Yi Wu, 
was an Isaac pioneer in Taiwan in the 1960s and says that Isaac influenced him to become globally minded. Later, he set up the Taiwan Institute of Economic Research and became the chairman of the Taiwan Stock Exchange. Ricardo Obregón helped to organize a world energy conference in Colombia in the 1970s, and today he is CEO of Julian Valdez Coffee. Arjun Bhagat, active in ISEC in India in the 1980s, believes that the organization gave him the opportunity to learn. Today he is an investor and has been chairman and CEO of the calibrated group of companies. Ante Stefan Glavas, after his experience with ISEC in Croatia in the 1990s, built a career in helping people with human passion and values. He went on to become executive director of business as an agent of world benefit at Case Weatherhead School of Management in the United States. Ihab Abdu was another 1990s alumnus. ISEC in Egypt was the first non-profit organization that he joined, after which he focused his career on social development. He helped establish and became the first president of Fahed Care, an Egyptian youth-led voluntary organization offering an innovative model in community development. Today he is the founder and current chairperson of Naded El Marusa, an Egyptian youth-led NGO, and he is also the elected president of the Egyptian Federation of Youth NGOs. And so the list could go on. In fact, I bump into former ISACers all the time in my CSR work today. In order to stay globally relevant, however, ISEC has had to constantly adapt. One of the latest innovations is inspired by the idea of T-leadership, a person that has both the essential generic competencies to lead positive change and has a strong interest and knowledge in one of the key topics of the world that needs positive leadership. A T-leader, therefore, can go wide on broad impacts and deep on selected challenges. The way that ISEC develops tea leaders is through issue-based experiences across the themes of finance, education, HIV-AIDS, corporate responsibility and entrepreneurship. Issue-based experiences are seen as a way to ensure that young people who have identified a passion for a particular issue have the chance to live an experience that not only enables them to gain general leadership skills but also expertise on a particular issue. On reflection, ISEC gave me a T-leadership grounding as well, although the program had not been formalized then. In particular, it allowed me to specialize early on in environmental issues. Apart from the conference in Japan, I attended meetings on wildlife management in Zimbabwe and helped to organize a national conference on sustainability. It was hardly surprising that when I chose a thesis topic for my business science honors degree, I chose green marketing. My work with ISEC had given me direct access to the CEO of the national retailer Pick and Pay that was pioneering green marketing, and so I used them as a case study for my research. Graduating was not the end of my ISEC journey either. In 1992, I was matched to a traineeship with the Royal Bank of Canada in Kingston, Ontario, which kick-started my working career. It also launched my writing career, as I had an article published about the experience. In it, I recounted the many insights and lessons I'd learned from Canada, 
saying, Canada's gift to me has been the light of understanding. After all, I had come from a country locked into a tragic mindset, belief that it is the victim of a cruel fate, facing problems so unique and insurmountable that all hope is in vain, a belief that the rest of the world doesn't understand what we are going through, a perception that criticism is rife but help is scarce. How encouraging it has been for me to discover that Canada and South Africa are in some ways alike, facing similar problems and similar challenges. I observed some parallels, for example, between the cruel and unjust way in which Canada and South Africa had treated its indigenous people. Furthermore, I reflected, like South Africa, modern Canada is a land of diverse heritage and ethnic origin, which faces the difficulty of establishing unity without forfeiting its diversity. And, like South Africa, Canada is a young people, faced with the challenge of building a proud new nation. I was inspired by the way Canada seemed to have learned lessons from its mistakes and was making a real effort to embrace and celebrate diversity. My article concluded with the classic global sentiment. Surely South Africa can learn something from this kind of approach, this constructive spirit which I have perceived in Canada. Surely these are lessons which I can carry home with me and share with my people. I had learned other lessons along the ISEC journey as well. Looking back at an article I published about the ISEC Leadership Development Seminar that I attended in Kenya, it is clear that the whole experience was an enormous wake-up call for me. The article began by saying, The problem with South Africa is that it still considers itself an exclusive first-world island off the tip of Africa. By contrast, my fresh observation was that we're not that different from many of our brother and sister countries. Kenya also has flashy skyscrapers, card telephones and CNN. They also have a culturally diverse population with all the problems which come with that. In fact, they have 42 tribal groups. They also face the challenges of poverty and income inequality. And most importantly, they also have beautiful, intelligent, concerned people living within their borders. I concluded that it's time we put our preconceptions and our misconceptions behind us and start to realize that we have things to learn and to gain from reintegrating into the African family. South Africa has an important role to play in this continent, not as a patronizing grandparent, but as a child among the children of Africa, learning, growing, sometimes squabbling, but forever striving to be better. I realize that these words may seem trivial or even amusing reading them now. However, at a time when South Africa was still in the grip of apartheid and walking a tightrope between civil war and a negotiated political settlement, these were profound experiences for a young, naive, white business student from Cape Town. Today I confess that I find the starry-eyed idealism a bit cringeworthy, but maybe a healthy dose of idealism is just what we need in the world today, as we needed it then. After all, wasn't it idealistic to imagine that South Africa could avoid a bloodbath in its transition to democracy? Maybe one of the ISEC songs, yes, we had songs too, is not simply to be filed away under embarrassing recollections from the distant past. Maybe its chorus serves as a good reminder about what it was and still is all about. We've come a long way to make our dreams come true. We've come a long way to make our friendships last. We've come a long way and there's still a longer way to go to make this world 
a better place for all.